0: There was an idea,
1: Dormammu. I come to bargain.
2: Before we get started, does anyone want to get out?
3: Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I'm the faster baby.
2: Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man.
3: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and we did it, everyone. We got the whole gang back for this one. We've got Chris, we've got Peach, we've got Robbie to talk all about Black Widow impressions uh you're probably sitting there going eduardo why did you throw impressions? There we go. impressions uh you're probably thinking why why did you show the word say the word impressions well so if you've listened to all of our episodes you probably understand we usually have a very specific Uh, structure in which we do these episodes we're going to be saying uh, throw the structure out the window for this one we're just going to be giving our general impressions general impressions on uh, Black Widow and eventually when we have more access to Black Widow to watch it a couple more times do some extensive note-taking we'll be doing a full assembly required style episode on it but this is going to be our very uh, sort of raw reactions to the to the movie Um, so hey everyone
2: Thank thank God you explained that because I thought that we were going to have to do impressions of the characters the whole time.
1: (laughs) I'm already posing. I'm just posing like, like Yelena pretending to be Natasha, like up there. And I and I
2: spent the last year and a half gaining weight to not fit into a Red Guardian costume. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I could probably do about as good of
3: an accent as David Harver's Russian accent, (laughs) and I do not do a good Russian accent uh Neither he learned it on. when
2: he got sent to russia at the end of stranger things season three. Oh shit yeah i'm glad that's
0: the only one that made that connection as i was sitting there watching i'm like this is just making me think of the next season of stranger things that's all this is making whenever me that, think that of. comes out they're gonna age right. like
3: 13 years
1: i mean he went to some weird place right maybe yeah. in between season three and four of stranger things he got pulled into the a different universe and he'll come back. Maybe Stranger things, what, things as part of that. That's why he
2: thinks he fought Captain America. Yep. <laughs>
3: that's a good point. Confirmed. Before we get all of this Black Widow stuff, Peach, yeah. we didn't get you on the Loki episode. And I wanna hear what you thought about it, because I think we had uh some divisive takes on, on the Loki finale. Uh at least uh from what I understand about how you felt about the episode. I don't know if because you have listened to the episode, right?
1: Yeah, I, I listened to the podcast episode. Um, Always nice to meet a fan. I know, right? <laughs> I love you guys so much.
3: I, I can't believe I'm here right now.
1: Um, no, before I get into it, I just want to say that was really short notice of me not being on that episode. So um, I want to say thanks to Patrick, because if it was really short notice for me not being on, it was even shorter for him being on. It was, maybe, And I, I thought he did a great know. job.
3: He had so. maybe 20 minutes. He had really we I texted him. I was like, hey, how would you like to do Assembly Required right now? And he was like, yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? To be fair, he was like, hang on. Let me ask my wife. And then he was like, yeah, OK.
1: <laughs> That's the smart move. You know, yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Patrick. Thanks so much for filling in for me. And uh, if I had to pick an MVP of the Loki season one, episode six of Assembly Required, it would be Patrick. Sorry, guys. Um, That's fair. It's a close race. All right. I'm just a little biased. Um, okay. Yes, I did listen to the episode. I have a whole list of comments that I would have made based on the things Ooh. you guys were talking about. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. So I just want to say those things first. We might be here for 20 minutes. I have I have set aside 20 minutes, depending on how you respond <laughs> to this. Uh, the very first thing I want to say at the top is um, we might not know Sylvie's true nature and origin at this point. Okay. We might not know. But- the reaction that you all had to when Eduardo read the line, Sylvie saying, I'm not you, was good enough for me. <laughs> I feel like I carried the team on my back with all of these predictions. Thank you so much. I'll take my prize at the end. However, Eduardo, next topic. I think, I think you guys were right because um, he who remains has green in his robe. So he is a Loki. The final enemy was a Loki. You were right all along. Great job. Um, I'm going to skip this one because this is the one I think is going to have the most um, talking from all of us. Chris, um, you had a great REM reference, and nobody laughed when you said Can of Four Loki, and that was a tragedy. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. I would have laughed at Can of Four Loki for you. I appreciate Um, it. This has nothing to do with what you guys said, but I I wrote. I felt real
2: bad after I made that joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This has nothing to do with what you guys said. Um, And I wrote this in my notes for some reason. You can confirm. It just says, Natalie Holt, marry me. Um, (laughs) I don't know why that's there. I do know, but it doesn't have anything to do. Um, You guys also talked about an Ant Man and Loki pairing that you thought would be funny. Why did nobody think of. Loki and Luis. How funny would it be to watch Loki react to a Luis story? <laughs> I love it. Wouldn't that, would that be great? Be, that would be great. The, the, last, thing, the last thing I have on here is um, you guys You guys spent a long time talking about whether you, you thought that this version of Kang, he was not called Kang, but for simplicity's sake, um, is more or less evil than the conquering version. And I think I would have erred on the side of it's just as bad, if not worse. Um, Because he's been doing whatever he's doing behind the scenes for who knows how long, right? The beginning of time. He's affected probably way, way, way more people than the Conqueror version would. The Conqueror version is going to do it violently, but this Kang is just going to send his TVA agents in to... Completely erase people's lives for reasons that they don't understand. It's likely that he has affected way more people. Um, I, I think of ab- that. I think about that, and I compare it to you guys. Remember in, um, of course you do, but in Infinity War when um, Vision is immediately like Thanos is coming after the stone in my head. You should kill me. Take the mm-hmm. stone and destroy it. And Steve Rogers is like, no. Steve Rogers will not take that stone out of the game at the expense of one, not even a human being, one Android. And so I think I, I kind of thought about that example of Steve wouldn't let one single person die. It it doesn't matter what the consequences are. So this guy, just because he's behind the scenes, just plucking people out of their reality and and pruning them, sending them to get eaten by a I think that's just as bad, if not worse. Also, I loved I love Jonathan Major's performance. He reminded me of. And I think Chris is only the, the only one that's really gonna fully understand this. He reminded me of Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. Mm. Yes. Um he has I, a, a okay. Okay, Kefka. <laughs> yeah, there's something about there's something really scary to me about a villain who is like whimsical and f- like funny and theatrical, and he he just like He's not taking villainy very seriously. Um, I guess you could maybe also kind of compare that to Joker, but Kefka is a way better example for the character that Jonathan Majors played. Yeah, Or or maybe even like Sander Cohen from Bioshock. Uh, Everyone will get that reference. Yeah. Something is scary about that to me. Like that's more maniacal than a, like a straightforward, hi, I'm the bad guy. I'm going to murder you. Like, this is a guy who is murdering people in a lot of different ways, and he just is so gleeful about it. Um, so I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, no, you're right, because uh, I mean, we talked about how Jonathan Majors drew on his clown training to mm-hmm. create this character. And, you know, people talk about the Joker as a clown, and in some incarnations, yes, he's clown-like, but Kefka, like, literally is just, like, prancing around and, you know, just very... Whimsical and funny, and is also just the world's biggest nihilist, mm-hmm. and like destroys everything. Like, uh and it's such an interesting dichotomy in that character to have someone who's like funny and treated as like the comic relief villain until halfway through. Spoilers for a game <laughs> in, like 1994 or right. something. <laughs> uh, halfway through the game, he wins. He. Beats the guy that he's working for and takes over the world and is just this horrible metaphorical monster uh, right. and and he who remains, you know, he's kind of lost his mind. I think a little bit, spending these millennia alone at the end of time. Um, but when you think about it, what he's doing is really, really scary.
3: Mm-hmm. And, it's just and I unhinged. Think that, yeah.
2: Yes, and his performance almost makes you forget how terrifying what he's doing is and and that's why i think it's really important in that last scene when loki comes running out looking for mobius uh, when you see how scared loki is mm-hmm. you don't see loki scared very often and for him to go he's terrifying he he sees through all of that and realizes how scary and This guy is, and that's saying something when Loki worked for Thanos, you know, Mm -hmm. so for someone to scare Loki, uh, that, that should make you scared of he who remains and, and as he who remains says, if his variants are worse, Kang is going to be something.
1: (laughs) And I kind of hope that we see a similar version to he who remains again as a villain. Um, because I think that they could take that unhingedness about him and turn it into something really interesting. But for that reason, for that reason, and that comparison that I made in my head, I, I I just, I liked him a lot. So getting to the part that you actually asked me to talk about, I really liked the episode. Um, I know that, and I'm not saying you guys feel this way, but I I feel like uh, there's a good number of people that thought that, you know, this, this final episode was too slow um maybe it needed some more action whatever i don't i agree with what eduardo said on the last episode i don't need a finale to have like a big show-stopping number you know like i i i liked the way this episode played a lot particularly because i was terrified of even though it was slow and he was just talking jonathan majors was just talking for most of the episode it was scary because like of all of this stuff we just talked about like he's talking about just murdering all these people behind the scenes and getting away with it. And now people are coming here to stop him. Um, And it was very compelling. He acted extraordinarily well. Um, I'm sad that that's possibly all we might get of that character. Um, And I also think I've thought about this more and more as we've watched these three series. Now that we're done with the series that were announced for this uh, this year, except for what Hawkeye and what if,
3: um, no, Marvel. Oh, that's coming out this year too. Yeah.
1: Yep.
2: They reconfirmed that Ooh. recently. We've got, that a, that we've got, a, we, we still got a lot to go. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: these are, these are the initial three that we heard about right away that we were like, okay, that's what we're getting. These three shows. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how these episodes are supposed to have the TV format where you can just jump in wherever. And it's like watching a, a TV show. I have come to the realization for myself that I don't think that's true at all. I think that these shows, even though they're released in a strange format because most shows that you would watch from beginning to end as one continuous story, get released all at once, like you know Netflix Daredevil, Netflix, other Marvel shows, whatever. I don't think this is either of those things. I think it's the meet in the middle version. I think it's like Game of Thrones where, You can't just pick an episode of Game of Thrones and watch it. It won't make any fucking sense. Like you won't know who you're talking, like who the characters are. You won't know what they're talking about. I think that these three shows fooled us into thinking it was more of a jump right in wherever because it started off with WandaVision, which was based on sitcoms. And the first couple episodes of WandaVision you might have been able to just jump in and watch without any prior context. But I just don't think that's true anymore. I think you are meant to watch all three of these shows from start to finish in one swoop. But they're releasing it weekly for the the talking in between. And uh, so that all being said, it doesn't bother me that an, a season ends like this. Because A, we know there's going to be a season two. And because B, if I were to watch it start to finish, it would feel like a movie. And I think that's actually what it's supposed to be like at this point. Uh Oh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think there's anything anything wrong with what you said. I think you can, if you enjoyed it, that's good on you. I think we've all said the reasons that we didn't enjoy it enough on the last episode. So there's no point in sort of rehashing that. I don't have anything to like be like, no, you're right. Cause like you can feel however you want to feel, man. If you liked it, I mean, I'm excited for you that you liked it more than I did because I wish I liked it more than I did. But that doesn't take away how much I liked the season as a whole.
1: My uh-oh was because I thought you were going to rebut against me saying, I don't think the show is meant to be watched wherever you want to watch it from. I think it yeah, is that's, more that's, like a
0: cut That's right. I was
2: going to rebut you.
0: Yeah. Well, What I'll say is I don't think we've ever, and one of the other two, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've ever made the argument that Episodic means watch in any order, necessarily. It just means that it's not meant to... That, that there is a clean break in the episode, a beginning, middle, end of if that self the case, episode.
1: If that's the case, that's fine. But I got to tell you, and maybe some other listeners have been confused by this too, when you guys talk about that, it feels to me like you have been saying... This works like an episode. Th- these shows are supposed to work like an episode of How I Met Your Mother. I can jump into season seven, episode twelve, and have no clue what's going on in the plot, and it's totally fine because oh yeah, I that's, understand not, that's the not what I have meant. Yeah, that's not okay. what I have meant. Yeah,
2: okay. What I what I've meant is that I mean there should can and and in this case should be a serialized story that is being told, but I want each episode to make sense in and of itself as an episode. Whereas, like, going back to Falcon the Winter Soldier, I feel like those weren't so much episodes as 45-minute chunks of this story. Agreed. Whereas, like, with WandaVision and Loki, we got full episodes. And each episode built on the last one and told a season-long story. So that, that's okay. what I mean when I say I'm looking for a show to actually feel like a TV show as opposed to a chopped-up movie. Okay. Right. Well, that's good to know. Well,
1: then I'll just, I'll wrap this up real quick then. I, I would have given that episode an eight and a half out of 10. I didn't come up with, um, I didn't come up with rating systems. I'm sorry. I, I Peaches in
2: another timeline did. Yeah,
1: yeah the, the, the evil Peaches did. I gave that episode eight and a half out of 10. The series as a whole, I I really, really loved it. Um, I think that's why I wrote down Natalie Holt, please marry me. I mean, everything about it was so good. It was so quirky. It, all the characters were fun. I don't... I don't, I didn't write down an MVP because I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's a person that performed poorly in the show. Um, I probably give it to Tom Hiddleston as Loki, but you guys made great points about Mobius because Owen Wilson did an amazing job. So probably Loki. Um, and then if I were to rank the three, just because of the quirkiness and the weirdness and the music, I have Loki in front of WandaVision, uh, narrowly. So it's Loki WandaVision, uh, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Patrick already said Cat's the musical, so I can't make that go.
3: <laughs>
2: there we go. 20 minutes, done. All right. Have any of you watched the, uh, not to talk about this too long, but the Assembled episode that they put out this past week? No, not yet. Oh, it's, it's, it's very good. Uh, my one complaint is that they do not talk about the music at all. And uh, I would have liked even just a couple minutes and in an interview with Natalie Holt about it would have been amazing. Uh, but other than that, it's—I mean—it's narrated by Tom Hiddleston. They go into a little bit of the challenge of making the show. They started filming like a couple weeks before they had to shut down production, and uh, they show a lot of concept art, interview with almost the whole cast, uh, a lot of the um, the head writer, the director, some of the other writers, producers. Uh, it's a—it's a good watch. I, I highly recommend it. You just made me wonder. Um
1: a lot of people (laughs) didn't like Falcon and the winter soldier and decided that the reason that they didn't like it was because COVID somehow impacted the plot of the show. Um, And it's interesting that Loki was also basically immediately impacted by COVID, but it was a very good show plot wise. And I wonder if any of those people are reflecting on that event.
2: I think not to defend Falcon winter soldier too much. I think that that, accusation if it's true or not has more to do with the fact that they altered the plot for sensitivity reasons because it was supposed to deal with a pandemic uh uh, allegedly i don't know if that's true or not but there have been a lot of reports of that and that they that sort of left them with some holes to patch that and the fact that they ended up not being able to film in Puerto Rico because of the, uh, earthquake that happened. I there. thought,
1: I thought I saw an interview with the director of Falcon and the winter soldier that said, no COVID did not impact our, our, our plots. This is yes. how the plot was going to be.
2: Yes. I, I saw that as well. And it's one of those things where I honestly just don't know who to believe that this kind of thing that they just say, yeah. to save face. Um, Yeah, I guess that's... But yeah, no, I thought Loki did a great... I mean, you couldn't tell that it was a pandemic production, as it were. No, Uh,
1: absolutely not.
2: You also see in this show, I'll tell you two fun things. For Tom Hiddleston's 40th birthday, they made him a big Tesseract cake. and um, That's nice. They show some concept art of the waiting room. And here's where I think that maybe COVID did affect a little bit. The concept art had a bunch of people waiting in line. And one of them happened to be a bipedal raccoon hmm interesting (laughs) i don't interesting but i don't know (laughs) if that was uh just concept art that they decided to go in a different direction or if it was concept art and then they're like well let's just have it be two people because that's funny in a different way
0: Hmm. yeah so
2: so yeah i recommend it if you got an hour to set aside watch it it's a it's really good well, let's
3: get to the main event. Let's talk all about Black Widow. Um, first off, just like generally, what you guys, how'd you guys feel coming out of the movie?
0: Uh I, I mean, enjoyed I, it. Like, I felt like I enjoyed my time sitting in the movie theater watching it, and didn't feel completely excited and amped to talk about it and see it again. Like it, it's. Yeah. It, I, I think this is going to come up, but I, as we keep going, but I feel like it didn't necessarily have like flaws, like or at least big glaring flaws, it just didn't necessarily do that much that was exciting or interesting either. It just kind of was. It just existed as a film that was enjoyable and also forgettable. I,
2: I think that something we're going to find and One thing I'm really looking forward to is when we do our real... I don't know, not our real episode, but our more full episode on this after we've had some time to watch it again a couple times after it's out on blu-ray and on disney plus and everything uh in a wide release seeing it now we've had so many years of buildup for this movie partially because they waited too damn long to make a black widow movie um which my understanding of this is and i was not aware of this is that the reason they had to wait was that scarlett johansson's contract that she originally signed was that she could only be in crossovers And they could not make, because Ike Perlmutter is a cheap bastard. Um, But when her contract ended, they were able to do a new contract where she's an executive producer. And they could do a lead movie for her. So that could be part of it. And I'm glad that those days are behind us. Uh, So one, it was too long to wait to make a Black Widow movie. But also the fact that we ended up seeing this movie over a year after we were supposed to have seen it. After a drought of Marvel movies and immediately following two really great new exciting Disney plus shows that were weird and, and, and really pushed the boundaries of what a Marvel project can be going back, you know, and the first movie in, you know, the big, first big Marvel movie in over two years uh, is I, I I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. um And one thing I did like about it was that it is different from other Marvel movies because it's like a straight up spy movie, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, this uh, felt
0: like a James Bond movie. Like,
2: but yeah, yeah. And and, and that's good. but it didn't really. There was nothing to wow you. I think not that there has to be, but I think that there's some sort of like psychological buildup of oh boy we're getting a marvel movie after all this time and then it's just a good action movie <laughs> which is not a bad thing to be
1: yeah that's a <clears throat> that's one of the points i have written down here is for me this and i think one of you guys said this in the group chat um and i just maybe adopted this thought because i i resonated it with it very much
2: you barely adopted the thought. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was born with it. Um, <laughs> is that this kind of felt like Iron Man as far as we're at the beginning of a new phase. So, you know, we're comparing phase one to phase four because phases one through three were like the Thanos build up story. And this is going to be the who knows who story. Um, I say who knows who knowing that Kang is involved, but it could be other people. Who knows? Um It felt like it was just a regular action movie that happens to be Marvel property. And it was at the beginning of a phase and uh, maybe the difference will be, it doesn't hold up quite as well as Iron Man did. Um, But yeah, like you said, it was just kind of like a spy movie that happened. My, my two biggest takeaways (laughs) didn't even have anything to do with the actual movie, which is not saying anything positive or negative about the movie. But when Eduardo and I went to see it together and I don't know if he noticed this, but when the uh, Marvel banner put played on the screen, I geeked out because I was just excited to be in a movie theater watching a Marvel movie again, Mm -hmm. because it has been so long since we've done that. And it was just cool to feel sort of normal for a second. Like here we are, we're watching a Marvel movie in theaters. This is great. Um, And the other thing that I took away also had to do with the theater and I immediately said something to Eduardo about this, because somehow there are still people that leave before the credits. (laughs) I don't get it, y'all. I just don't get it. We watched, like, it, it wasn't a lot of people, I'll say that, but we watched, like, maybe 10 or 15 people get up and leave. And how do you not know by now? If you're seeing Black Widow in theaters, you have to have seen some other stuff, or at least heard from people that you... I feel like everybody at this point has a one degree of separation between has seen a movie and hasn't seen a Marvel movie. (laughs) And I feel like the person in that one degree of separation would have said to them, hey, don't leave the theater until the lights in the theater turn on. Just keep sitting there. Watch everything that happens, including the credits. But still, people exist that leave. (laughs) I just Mm -hmm. don't get it.
3: Yeah, I think... The movie, unfortunately, suffers from a few different things. Um, like Chris said, I think the Disney Plus shows have a have a big role to play in the reception to this movie. I think how long it took for the movie to finally come out as part of the road to play. I also think uh, we can discuss whether or not it's true, but this is the most Marvel formula movie I've seen in what feels like a little while it's very sort of to that traditional Marvel movie ness and it's hard to sort of explain and quantify, but it just kind of has that. It has the Marvel structure. It has, you know, the quirky side characters. It has, you know, the villain and you get a little surprised, like it all just, it all packed up a little too nicely and neatly compared to, you know, Loki and WandaVision that had all this really interesting new groundbreaking stuff. And so it becomes really difficult to just sit there and enjoy that for more than what it is. And the black widow definitely suffers from that. I think another thing, and maybe we can get into some character talk here. I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me, but one of my biggest dislikes of black widow is is black widow. I think she's not written that well in this movie. I don't think it's necessarily Scarlett Johansson not doing the best job. Although, I wouldn't call her, you know, the best actor in the world. Uh, That being said, she does well with what she's given and her role in these things. But she, I don't think she's given that much to do here. And a big problem is that because of that is that the side characters around her are very interesting. Her family, all three of them are all super interesting characters. So she's there as sort of the the more quote unquote normal one. And it, it makes her kind of boring in her own movie. And I don't think that's, that's good for your, your co-stars to sort of outshine you uh, with the way that they're written and the way that they're, they're in the movie. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but that's at least how I left feeling.
1: I think I do agree with that, but I wonder if it is like an 80-20 split of 80% because those three characters are very interesting and the 20 because we know that Black Widow
2: is deceased. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Because right. I didn't have a problem with Nat in this movie at all, but there's only so much you can do when it's like, we've seen what she does before this movie, and we've seen what she does after this movie, right. so it falls into that classic prequel problem. Right. Even though it's not really a prequel, it's a, as uh, Pumbaa once said, an in-betweenquel. <laughs> I <don't> that's right, <laughs> midquel's actually a word now. I don't
3: know, I sort of kind of disagree with that. <laughs> uh, for example take Jonathan Majors at the end of Loki. We'll take that that little scene that that happens there where he's he's explaining. Jonathan Majors is captivating from the second that you see him on there and he acts his ass off and I think I would personally be captivated by that scene whether or not I know he's going to be Kang in the future, which I do. You know, I went in there knowing he was going to be Kang. I went in there knowing a lot of the things that he was already going to say and yet I was still captivated because he was a captivating character. I think a lot of the 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 way that Nat's portrayed in this movie is this sort of cool spy that doesn't really say a lot. And you know, I think that's that's said a lot. Is we know Cat dies, so it makes some or not Cat Nat dies. Um, sorry, Robbie. We know that Nat dies. <laughs> uh, so we 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 sort of lose some of the interest in there. But I think it is possible to still tell a compelling story. I think they just failed to do that.
0: Yeah, I'll admit I didn't think about it, but I find myself agreeing with you. Like, I didn't, I didn't leave the theater thinking, hmm, Scott Johansson was boring in this. But honestly, I guess, yeah, she didn't do much. And, and what I'm really thinking about is something that's come up on several of our retrospectives on this, ep- on this podcast is we came in to this podcast, kind of, I think several of us admitted, kind of having been influenced by sort of the narrative that Black Widow was never given much, and then found ourselves one movie after another saying, you know, Black Widow was great in this. We picked her as MVPs a few times, several times Mm -hmm. we said we thought about it, she was in consideration. She ends up having some great roles in several movies. And in this movie, it did not even cross my mind to consider her for MVP. And I think to your point, Eduardo, we know very well that Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow can be... um, Highlight or one of the highlights of an MCU film, like that's happened several times, and in her own film, I don't think she was. I think you're right, and I I didn't think about it at the time, but as you say it, yeah, you're right, and that's weird.
1: You know what else I think, and maybe this is just me. I've tried not to be too analytical because A, I've only seen the movie once, and B, we're trying to do this like impression thing. But her plot was just kind of weird too. We've we've heard about like her defecting to Shield for a long time, and then her story is that she decided to blow up a building with a child in it. That's kind of fucked up.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm glad you said that because that
1: doesn't seem like a a redemption mission. That seems like to- dirty work for Shield.
3: Like, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you. Everything that they talked about, and I know this is a point of contention here, so I'm glad I'm bringing this up right now. Uh, It has been said many times. People want to know what happened um, in... God, say it. Just say it. Budapest. 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 (laughs) Budapest. And... Budapest is referenced several times in the movie, not just in conversation, but literally in places. Like, oh, this is where we did this. And then we even get a flashback to what happened in Budapest. A lot of what they talk about that with that movie sounds like kind of a more interesting movie than the movie that we got. I think a movie about Black Widow and and Hawkeye being trapped in a building and in a city, trying to escape for two weeks, having to make really ambiguous choices, I think it would have been more... It it would have to me it really shown sort of a, a little bit more character development from from Nat, right? Because I think we could have seen her maybe wrestle with some of the decisions she made a little bit more. Whereas in this one, she's just like already a hero, and she's like, "My bad that I blew you up." I don't know. It just the the weight isn't there for me. I think. I'm yeah, sorry, guys. Have... <laughs> I think the Budapest stuff would have what made a more interesting. Would have made for a more interesting movie.
0: I don't think that's so, uh, to be clear, I don't think that's where our disagreement that m- has mostly been off the podcast comes from. It may well have been a more interesting movie. I just don't, and I'm not disagreeing with you, Eduardo. What, I, what bothers me is how often people, and, and I've got a tangent from this movie that I can tie into this, how often people want, I need to see that thing that was referenced with one line in this movie, I need, and then another line in another movie. Yes, they referenced it again in Endgame. But how often people just? We need you need to spell out this thing for me. Instead of lines, could just be throwaway lines. Or you can, if you build a movie off of it, if you build that interesting movie you're talking about off of Budapest, it's not that, that there's nothing wrong with that. What bothers me is fans just feeling like every single thing needs an explanation and every single thing needs to be seen and shown and written out. And it that's kind how of you have, get
2: an imperial officer naming Han Solo because yes, he doesn't exactly. have a family.
0: Well, why is his last name Solo? Who cares? Who? Who ca-
3: I figured
2: it was because his dad was named Solo. I don't but. disagree
3: with that at all, but I do think that this is this is different because it is referenced a hundred times in this movie. It's not just yeah. a throwaway. So Lion this movie, anymore. this movie made it different.
0: Yes, before this
3: movie, sure, before this movie, absolutely, right. we don't need yes. that kind of stuff. But when you have an entire movie where half yeah. this is basically a sequel to what happens in Budapest, so yeah. how are you going to well, have maybe? the sequel without showing us what? Like it just. Well, Maybe they, they show, set but- up
1: uh, a Black Widow 2 Dude, Black where they Widow 2, do three, the in-between.
3: Cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they can have another Black Widow movie where they just put her in a random scenario, a.k.a. Budapest-a.
2: I mean, unless you change <laughs> what happened in Budapest from what we saw in this movie, I don't think you can do that movie because it ends with her killing a little girl. And yeah. the end... And that's not yeah. gonna happen because this movie is about dealing with the fallout of that. Also, yeah.
0: did anyone else find with that moment it someone who has in their past blown up a little girl? It's really hard for me to <laughs> Wait, I, I believe in second chance.
2: Did you Wait, say as someone who in their second. past No, I didn't <laughs> yeah, no, you <laughs> definitely did. <laughs> yes. is... You're gonna review the
1: tape. Hold Robbie on. just said he's blown up a girl. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rewind to play five a lot, lot, a lot of lonely boys have. What?
0: Hey Wait. Hamlet, there's a right, vampire behind you. <laughs> Listen, y'all, I'm on so much cold medicine. Okay. <laughs> Starting over. The fact that in her past she once. We found out it's attempted, but it's the thought that counts. Um, attempted to blow up a little girl just makes it like that kind of recolors my entire. Worldview on Natasha Romanoff and my opinion, and and I know I know we always talked about red on her ledger, and I know that Loki said Drykov's daughter and everything, but like being shown that this hero at one point, first off, blew up a little girl. Second, the heroic organization that was recruiting her, the, the, the Shield, Hydra, is, uh, right? Yeah, Hydra. But but Hawkeye was a part of it, uh, wanting hmm. her to blow up a little girl. Like, that just, that's not the kind of thing that's very easy for me to accept. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're redeemed from the time you, you murdered a little girl. It's, that's hard. and And I feel like it's going to always kind of color my opinion of natasha
2: romanoff a little bit i guess i'm just an asshole because i didn't that didn't bother me okay
0: no you're not
1: an asshole but it's just i don't think it's executed that well like eduardo referenced the apology briefly the apology at the end is like not a real apology like right what does antonia know That Black Widow is the one that blew up the building, first of all. Second of all, you don't attempt to murder a person and then not see them for X amount of years and then just say, sorry I did that to you. Right. Here's some red dust. Stop being mind-controlled. Like, it's it's not an apology. Yeah. And also, at this point in our story, Nat has been with the Avengers for a long time. And I get that part of this story is about like uh, releasing the captives of the Red Room, and that should have happened. But like, she is very remorseless during the movie. It feels like she didn't learn anything about being a hero. Like, Would Steve Rogers have done all these same moves? He would have found a way to break all of these captives free and get them to a better place, and then not murder everyone else (laughs) just literally murder everyone else is that a bad take
3: i don't know if it's necessarily a bad take and i don't think i think my prop this movie is supposed to play off as a movie about remorse but natasha doesn't really seem to show too much remorse to almost anyone except for those that are in the red room which makes sense to to an extent she shows a little bit of remorse to taskmaster um that being said i think I think the movie is worse that Taskmaster was being mind-controlled the whole time. I would have found it really interesting if she was like red dust and then the dust had no effect and she's like, what? You think I've been mind-controlled this whole time? No, you tried to blow me up. I have actual grievance with you.
0: Yep. Yeah, that would have been better, I think. I agree. I agree. Is this where we talk about Taskmaster? We can talk about Taskmaster now, sure. We can
3: talk
1: about anything, anytime, bro. Really? (laughs) (laughs) You want to tell us about that thing you did?
0: (laughs)
3: Yeah, please. If you need to talk, we can turn no, this off. For, we, can turn the off. Okay. we can turn the recording off. Keep it rolling. We can turn the recording off.
0: How did you guys feel about Taskmaster? Because I know there's a lot of vitriol about
2: it. Oh, I mean, I'm not angry. Yeah. Uh, it it it's, it's a couple things. I think one, the way they handled the backstory of Taskmaster worked for this story, I think uh two i understand why people who are maybe big fans of taskmaster from the comics might be disappointed that the character that they love was not in this movie not now i don't understand people who are mad that they made it a woman instead of a man those people can leave but yes promptly please but the people who are like well i really like the story of taskmaster in the comics and that's what I was expecting. I didn't get that. That I understand. It's it, it's similar to people maybe being upset about Mandarin or or some of those other changes. Changes that, for the most part, I've been fine with because they make sense in the context of the movie. But I but I get, you know, if I, I, I'm i just trying to think of like a, a random Marvel character. I'm, I'm a big Squirrel Girl fan. And if they put Squirrel Girl in one of these movies and made her yeah. completely different from the comics. Yeah, type, like Raccoon Lady. Yeah, yeah. if they interact, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess, I think I agree with that. And I, I do not, I don't rise to the point of anger with how Taskmaster was handled. And I completely, the, the gender has nothing to do with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, I think it just feels like they kind of wasted a good villain. Taskmaster was cool in this movie. It, uh-huh. the, the action sequences, watching her using the various... Like, like music moves from the other Avengers, that was real, real cool. And, and then also the character arc of the Taskmaster did work within this film. It's just that could have been an original character. You didn't have to take Taskmaster for that. And I think that ends up being the problem because now this is what you've done with, and they could still use Taskmaster in a future in a way that's interesting still. Yeah. But
2: by making it technology based, the doors open.
0: Right. Yes. Um, I know that the, one of the things is that Tony Masters is not a silent antagonist. Tony Masters is, uh, you know, um, Taskmaster's alter ego, is someone who speaks, who is a bit sassy with his uh, opponents. Um, that's probably out the window You learned that here. from Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's probably out the window here. It just feels like, and it, I feel like this, this Arkans film isn't going to work if going forward. Taskmaster is in other films and is a villain. Um, I think exactly what Eduardo said is what I would have liked to have seen. If it's, well, Antonio was never actually under mind control, Antonio was actually a bad guy, um, or at least a, a, a mercenary. Um, so I don't know. It feels like a waste, especially because you saw parts of this film where Taskmaster was really, really cool. And so it, it, it's. It's kind of strange because there's two different things I like. There are, I liked some of the uses of Taskmaster here. I also think Taskmaster's arc works well in this film, but together ends up being something I don't like, which is a waste of an important I, I feel like an important Marvel character. Which is, it, I'm having trouble putting that into words, so I hope it makes some
2: sense. Yeah, I think you did fine.
1: I don't know that I have anything to add about how they actually went with a character that you guys didn't just say, but I'm going to tie in the other thing that I put in the notes with this because maybe I feel like I can't be the only one who was fooled because OT um, OT was OT Fagbenle was a poster person. First of all, why was he on the poster? Why was he if if I understand movie posters and like the top build names and he is one of them, what did he do in this movie that was worthy of however much ridiculous amount of money he must have made to be on the poster i thought because they didn't have whenever you saw posters that had a character on them you know you see black widow and it would say scarlett johansson at the bottom of that poster you see red guardian it would say david harbour at the bottom of the poster you see taskmaster and there's nothing there why well because the twist is that it's going to be antonia later in the movie but i thought that it was ot I thought that it was going to be his character because taskmaster is traditionally a male. He is going to be a friend that turns out to be a villain because we didn't really see him that much in the trailers or anything either. So it was like this mysterious, Ooh, he must be the bad guy because all these other people are spoken for. I, but I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) Why did they pay him a lot? I thought he was going to be taskmaster. I don't really have any different problems or uh, positives from what you guys said, so that's that's what I'm adding to this conversation. Sorry.
3: Have you guys all seen um, X Men Origins Wolverine? Mm-hmm.
1: Sadly, yeah, I have not. You've never seen Keep X Men Origins way. Wolverine? It's a no. Treat. I Keep it that, that way, before, Robbie.
3: It's a treat. Do you guys remember Wade Wilson in that movie?
1: Yes. Yeah. Tell
3: me, Wade Wilson isn't just Taskmaster in this movie? I've heard a
0: few other people say that. No, too. you're right. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you're
3: right. They are almost the same character. And it's also a really similar misuse of a character mm-hmm. with it's Deadpool, true. right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not that people don't like, well, you know, specifically for X-Men Origins, it was that people didn't like that because it was awful. Uh, but it's not mm. that people don't like Taskmaster, <laughs> because Taskmaster in this movie is actually kind of cool. Yeah. The problem is that we, we have, I started looking up some Taskmaster stuff afterwards. I didn't realize Taskmaster had as much of a personality. As yeah. Taskmaster does. And they seem like a really interesting character that's kind of uh-huh. weird and kind of crazy and obsessive. And mm-hmm. that seems like a great character to have on screen. So it it seems like such a waste to instead have boring old guy that uses mercenary instead of interesting Taskmaster be your villain. Yes. Yeah. Because I hated that guy. And part of it is because the movie did a good job of making me hate him. But I just kind of, I thought he was so boring. He was just like, just some like dude. And he was like, ooh, I put a thing in you. You can't hurt me. Ah." Yeah, so.
1: (laughs) Hey, sorry for using the term plot hole. But um, doesn't Black Widow have a gun? And if Black Widow doesn't have a gun, I know she at least has two shock guns on her wrists. Couldn't she stand 10 feet away from him and shoot him?
3: Yeah, but she didn't... No, she did know.
1: As soon as she knew, she could walk to the other side of
2: the room. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right? What is the range of his pheromones? I didn't even think (laughs) about that.
2: I imagine he's walked around the room and... Yeah, that's his room. He's
3: really... But
1: but Yelena, at the end of the movie, is right above... The the craft that he's trying to fly away in and stabs the shit out of it and makes it blow up. Why could she do that?
3: You know, air pressure, was inside? Uh, wind turbine. She's not that far uh, away from him. Uh, movement. You know.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, was she outside and he was inside?
1: Yeah, but like the hull, and then her it, and there's air around the helicopter he was trying to leave in. Well, it's, and it's she like, stabbed.
2: it's like how you don't have to wear a mask outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm
1: laughing. Cause it's just weird to me. I don't know. It's the, I, like I said, I tried not to be analytical about it, but there are certain things that as they marinate, they stuck with me.
3: Well, that brings up a really good per, uh, point. Uh, Yelena, who is the best character in this whole movie. In my mm-hmm. opinion, Florence Pugh just steals this show. I think people had anticipated from the trailers that David Harbour was going to be the one to kind of steal it. And in some scenes, he's he's funny. But I really mm-hmm. think it's Florence Pugh that really elevates it. And I think here's the, the big problem, is that Florence Pugh's character is just a significantly more interesting Black Widow than Black Widow herself. And so they're not the same character, but... They're similar enough to where you can go, oh, I like this one better. And so it makes Black Widow seem worse by comparison. Uh, because Florence Pugh is just doing such a good job in this movie. it's she, Her character is so fantastic. And I'm really, really excited to see her in Hawkeye because uh, we got that post-credit scene. So we know she's going to show up at some point in Hawkeye. I'm excited to see her against uh, the new Hawkeye and sort of this like rivalry type thing. Uh, I'm interested to see if we get... Um, either the Thunderbolts or the dark Avengers, you know, there's a, there's a good chance. Either one of those are going to show up with, um, I don't know her name, the lady that I, you guys were like, Oh my God, it's her. And I didn't actually know who she was. Uh, oh, it's, Venice.
1: Uh, uh, it's a V name. Yeah. Uh, Valentina. Yeah. Val. La, yeah. Val. Uh, Val. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Let's leave it there.
3: <laughs> Val. Yeah. Her Vicky Valencourt. Um, <laughs> uh, you know I'm interested to see where that character goes I think she was she just was great in this movie
0: mama says Val's the devil yeah she was fantastic like she, like, I found myself in the theater just being excited for the next her next moment on screen um, I, I in a one film setting I think she created one of the most compelling and entertaining marvel characters period ever i i she was great like great um amusing and fun uh yelena if i'm not mistaken yelena belova was the second black widow in the comics mm-hmm. so i'm assuming that's the direction they're going here and um maybe they don't have it set in stone yet but it's okay you know this can be black widow for the future phases i'm completely down with that idea uh she was she was just wonderful um her mocking Natasha when they were in the shop was my particular favorite. The the mm-hmm. uh, if we it's you know it, it's in the name right. If we go if someone goes after you, then the rest of them will avenge you. One of the big ones will come. Natasha said, <laughs> who, "Who who are the big ones?" Well, I'm guessing the the alien with the magic hammer doesn't have to put on a band aid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then making fun of her with the hair flip, and I hadn't. As soon as she said that, I started thinking about how often Black Widow does that little hair flip pose, and I mm-hmm. never thought about it. but I was like, It's so... <laughs> such a good meta... You know, the, the point of this podcast is the retrospective. In retrospect, that is a hilarious meta commentary on the character that we've seen in so many movies now.
2: Yeah, I think what's going to make it work, having Yelena going forward, is probably a big part of this, is that it's not going to feel like, oh, just another Black Widow, because she's such a Different character from that, and that is how you do a legacy character. You have to make the new character something different, and I think that in one movie they've already established, you know, how different she is from Natasha, and that's going to be really entertaining going forward. I think they've um, also done a really
3: good job about that so far with Sam, and now. Oh maybe, yeah, know I agree. Hopefully, the the, the new um, Hawkeye is going to be similar, um, and you know, even moving forward. I would bet money we get at least one new person playing Black Panther, so I would be really interested to see how different they play that character. So there, mm. there are a lot of going to be a lot of new faces on familiar heroes. So I think you're right; it is important for those familiar or for those faces to to do something different to make the character their own. Like maybe we'll get a whole series of Beta, beta Ray Bill. You never know,
2: mm. or Jane Foster. <laughs> Jane
3: Foster, for. sure. Uh, what about any of the other characters? Did you guys think Red Guardian? How'd you guys think about Red Guardian?
0: Um, th- go ahead.
2: I thought he was, he was funny. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird that they make their own Captain America analog, and then send him off to live out the Americans. Um, and you're going to yeah. go pretend to be a scientist in yeah. America.
0: Yeah, that was kind of weird. Like, why is that what they used him for? Yeah. Um, he also then just becomes. Maybe a bit a little bit too much of a comic relief character. Like I don't, the guy we see in the last act of that film, I have trouble believing was ever a successful super soldier, a successful spy in in America, keeping his cover and performing a mission that was about espionage, not about mm-hmm. raw strength. It's, but he was an entertaining character. It Just I had trouble, you know, this was the same guy. It seems hard.
2: I, um, I guess I just took it that prison really messed with his head. I don't know. Yeah,
0: that's possible. That's possible. Uh, but it's not that he wasn't great. Uh, one of the things I see the internet talking a lot about is he does this little arm wrestling story where he's talking about how he fought Captain America in the 80s. And a whole lot of people are really excited to see that. A whole lot of people are just so excited for that film or let's. And, and then there's all this theory going around about that must have happened while Captain America was going through time and turning the Infinity Stones. Um, he's just lying, right? Are we in agreement that he's just lying? Yeah. That story is not a thing that happened?
2: There are three options. He's lying, he's delusional, or he fought... Uh, not Steve Rogers, Captain Th- yes. America, okay, that, uh, that the U.S. had tried to. Because uh, we already know that they tried to make more super soldiers. Yeah, and that's true. I'm not saying he fought Isaiah Bradley, but, you know, in the comics, they had tried while Cap was in the ice. They had tried making other captains America. Uh, so That's true. So it could be one of those. Uh, but I don't think you're supposed to take that. Plus the fact that he asks, Nat, did he ever ask about me? Right. I think he just doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, guess... I I certainly don't think it has to do with time travel because Owen Wilson would have showed up.
1: His character seems like he was supposed to... Uh, a facet of it was supposed to be that he is a compulsive liar. So I also took it as he's just telling a story. He, he's entertaining people while he's beating them in arm wrestling because he's a super soldier. Like, he's not going to lose. Yeah, you, know? you can
2: argue with him and he'll just break your wrist.
1: Right, like... I I, that's what I took it as so what I
0: just what I think is interesting is how many people seem to like the fact that he was lying doesn't even cross their mind like the fact that the dude said this on screen that means it must have happened like that's it's just so interesting to me that there's a whole bunch of viewers that don't does not cross their mind apparently that the dude might be lying
2: they're the same people who are upset that Mephisto wasn't in WandaVision and feel like they were lied to. I think a lot of people Marvel just really enjoy
3: that. connecting the dots on these movies and sort of being right when things happen. Um and so they like to just latch onto anything, literally anything. Be like, "Ah, this must be a reference to this thing." No, it probably just is, man. And if it's if it is a reference, mm-hmm. cool. But more more likely than not, it probably just is a thing. It's in the movie, you know?
1: I don't know. I it's hard to see. I know he's been in plenty of other things now. It's hard to see David Harbour outside of Stranger Things because I just associate him with yep. Hopper. Yep. I can't like... That's that's what I see him as. That's just how it is. Yep. I think he also played Hellboy, didn't he? He did. That yes, movie he did. did awful. Uh, well. Did you ever see it? No, no I did not. No. I like the the first Hellboy movies.
3: Yeah, with Ron Perlman?
1: Mm-hmm. I saw those ones. I thought those were okay. Those were. But those were yeah. Those are before I was really into anything superhero, so I probably like them more now. But I don't know. I just I see him and I think Hopper. So it's weird. Like we talked about earlier. <laughs> Maybe he got he got. There's something in between season three and season four of Stranger Things, and now he's here. <laughs> what was the mom's name? We don't have anything written down about. Uh,
3: Melina. Yeah, Melina, the lady from Ice. the Mummy. That's how I feel. yeah.
1: I, I liked Rachel Weisz's character too, but if I ever have to see them uh, show an example of how mind control works on a pig again, I'm gonna punch everyone th- in the
2: throat. I thought of you during that scene.
1: I <laughs> was not happy to see that. Don't do that.
3: It's messed up. I mean, it'll maybe this will console you a little bit, but the pig wasn't really mind controlled.
2: Oh my god. Thank you the so pig much. is just a really good actor. <laughs>
3: Thank you, pig, Thank you, you know, so much. Honestly, that pig probably got paid a good amount of money to do that scene. So you guys are
1: joking, but pigs pigs can do a lot of stuff. It might have been
3: acting. I'm not joking about that. That pig probably okay. did make a decent amount of money.
2: <laughs> really brought home the bacon. Man, I was going to say it if you didn't. As far yeah, as pig somebody had Joe,
3: he's probably at the upper, the upper uh, upper top of a. Uh, Upper top. Well,
1: he's not on the poster, so <laughs> yeah.
2: they should have made a poster for the pig. Yeah,
3: yeah, no posters. Um, now, Robbie, <laughs> I see the name Harvey Weinstein in here, and uh, it's not even your point. So, Chris, I see the yeah. name Harvey Weinstein in here, <laughs> and I don't even—I haven't read what you're going to say. So, just okay. uh,
2: Go ahead. All right. Well, Scarlett Johansson has talked about uh, she's called this movie um, uh, a Me Too movie, a hashtag Me Too movie. And if you think about it, it I think it actually does make sense. Uh, uh, there are people who have pointed out that Dracoff is actually very similar to Harvey Weinstein. He kind of looks a little bit like him, and he's a creepy bad dude who does terrible things to women. Uh, much like the real Harvey Weinstein, um, and, and if you they don't call it this, I think in the movie, uh, but this is a movie about bringing down a human trafficking ring. Yes, it's a super powered spy factory floating up in the clouds, but in the end, it's it's human trafficking, and we even see that during the opening sequence as well. Uh, the imagery that that evokes, which I know Robbie's going to want to talk about a little bit later. uh, So we'll put a pin in that, Uh, but it is very much, you know, evoking a really scary real world problem. Uh, So it's a movie in some ways about women, you know, finally getting able to get the better of their abuser, uh, an abuser who uses his status and his power and his wealth to control women uh, because, he feels like that's his right, uh, which is in a lot of ways what the me too movement was about. Uh, I mean, he even, you know, dismissively says that little girls are the one resource that the world has too much of. And that's what he's, he's using them so that you know, he and the other men can, you know, have their power by controlling women, uh, which is so blatant that it's almost not a metaphor, <laughs> uh, if you think about it. And, uh, can't not mention the conversation they have in the airplane too, right? When they rescue Alexi and, you know, Yelena is pissed off as she should be (laughs) for a lot of things. And he goes like, Oh, it's it's your time of the month. And uh, an interesting story about that, which I think we have talked about, but we'll, we'll talk about it on this podcast now is that, so the screenplay is written by a man, Eric Pearson, who's, Done quite a bit for Marvel over the years, um, and I did find that his explanation of that joke, which originally did not have her responding, Robbie just made a face, right? Because I thought that was a good scene. I thought that was. Uh, I of, also
1: the, a yeah. I that, that why wouldn't she have responded the way she responded?
2: Well, his his intention, which I actually brought this up in before I found this interview. I brought this up in the car with Angela earlier. And I said the most charitable explanation was that he was trying to have him making this joke make Alexi look bad and out of touch, which is a dangerous route to go when you're doing jokes like that. Sometimes it works, but you run the risk of people either taking it as this is the point of view of the movie or people just laughing at the joke at face value. Uh, I think about you know a couple of famous examples, uh, "Blazing Saddles," by you know, the the Mel Brooks movie, which you know is a satire about racism um, through the lens of old Western movies. But there are probably a lot of racists out there who just think it's funny. Can um,
0: confirm, I, there are a lot.
2: Yeah. Yes. Who who don't get the the fact that they're the ones that are being made fun of.
0: And you can tell because they use the line, you could never make this movie today. Uh-huh. People are so sensitive.
2: <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and there, there are other examples. That was the big one in my mind. Uh, but especially in a movie like this, when you have two characters like y- like Yelena and like um, uh, Natasha, they're going to answer back. And they got to the point where they were, I don't know if this was in rehearsals or filming or the table read or what, but they florence Pugh did not like this this scene uh so they actually uh, another writer uh nicole um holofcener and i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing her name uh who's done um a couple other movies that she's written and directed uh walking and talking and enough said it says here she was actually brought in to punch up the script and she's the one who wrote the exchange that happens afterwards where Yelena's like, we don't have periods. That's what happens when you take out our uterus, and they go into the clinical detail of what happened in the red room with the, uh, I, I uh, the forced hysterectomy.
3: one bathroom break during this movie, and I'm realizing now that this is when I took yep. the bathroom break. That's oh, when no. it happened. None of this is familiar to me, and I would absolutely remember this. You
1: walked Yeah, yeah out, this is unforgettable. You walked out before they made... Out, they made their way out of the prison compound in the helicopter. Yep. Like they were still in the middle of that action sequence, yeah. and you came back to when they drop the helicopter on the <laughs> ground because they were like, "We'll have enough gas to make it." Plop. That's when you came back. That, that was, was also funny. very funny. That was very yes. funny. Um,
0: well, and because yes. it was another good Florence Pugh moment of, "Okay, we'll see what happens." Boom. Like it was
2: just yeah, smash cut two. <laughs> yeah no so Elena uh, for you Eduardo since uh, you you don't remember the scene Elena talks about the forced hysterectomy and and Natasha's joining in and he goes okay fine you don't have to be so clinical and nasty and Elena says oh I was just about to talk about fallopian tubes <laughs> which is probably the first time fallopian tubes have ever been mentioned in a Big superhero movie. Yeah, like this. up until then uh, it was
3: just a rumor. It was just a fallopian tube rumor. But now we have full confirmation. Con- confirmation. That there are fallopian tubes in the MCU.
2: <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> We've never seen anyone give birth. That's true. We so we don't know. <laughs> For all we know, the one difference in the MCU is that everybody hatched. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Aurora looks disturbed by no, that no, thought. It's not that. Or Please something continue. else. Uh yeah. Anyway, so you know, there's this great t- it's a great takedown. And it probably made a lot of people uncomfortable too. Um, um but you know, it's these women who get the upper hand on the guy who thinks he's funny. Uh it's like I don't know if you ever heard people talk about the strategy of like when someone makes a racist or a sexist joke and they just expect you to laugh along with it. Look at them and go, I don't get it. And can you make them uncomfortable and have them try to explain why the joke is funny until they Mm -hmm. realize that's not funny. I'm, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) So, uh, and the, and of course this also ties back to the most controversial scene of age of Ultron as well. And we talked a little bit about that back in that, how, you know, a lot of people were very upset with how Nat was treated in that movie, particularly that scene and, uh, and the way it came across. Um, and the thing, thing these have in common is these scenes were written by men, and then uh, the women are like, "Hey, come on!" Uh, so it's just important to think. Of, I think as as men, it's important to think about you know how things are going to be perceived, and you know, stop and think just for a second: how are the other people going to take this? And here's where this movie benefited by having, you know, you know, women as the stars and you know, a Scarlett Johansson as an executive producer, Kate Shortland as a director, they all were like, okay, yeah, we're not going to get rid of this joke, but we're going to answer it. We're, we're going to deal with it. We're going to respond. And and I think that, you know, made for one of the, you know, that scene alone that gets you what Yelena's character is all about. Yes. And and is a, is a nice takedown as well and just shows how well adjusted they are in the face of, you know, some... Terrible things that were done to them as as children. But yeah, so that's that's all of that to say that yeah, you know, this movie actually has sort of a I I don't know if it's subtle or not, but there is definitely a, a you know a feminist undercurrent to this movie uh, in a way where the, it is about you know the struggles of women just in a fantastical superhero spy kind of way. In a, in a way that a way, the lot of spy movies also, We think about this as a superhero movie, but also in a way that a lot of spy movies don't really get to deal with as well. I think it's interesting.
0: As someone who has watched every single James Bond movie, I agree.
2: She has too. Or at <laughs> least Moonraker.
0: Moonraker, by the way, I'm pretty sure is what would get my vote for the worst James Bond movie. So get some better... But, but, I'm sure they used it on purpose because that movie has... A Russian guy with a no, he's not Russian. He's not Russian. Spy means Russian. Okay, I'm getting in the weeds. That movie has a space station, um, yeah. so I'm I'm assuming they used it as kind of a a tongue in cheek nod to the Red Room. In this I film.
2: think it definitely was.
0: But I'm assuming they knew, so they have her sitting and watching a James Bond movie. I'm assuming at some point when they were producing this, they realized they were making a movie that is very much in the fashion of a James Bond movie. I think it's better than a James Bond movie. I think it's. It's missing some of the problematic parts of a James Bond movie, but this felt more like a James Bond film than a superhero film. Yeah. And I think they knew that.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think that's one of the things that makes it stand out in the MCU a little bit uh is that it really I mean with the exception of Alexi lifting a couple things, there's not much superheroing in this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's not. Absolutely.
3: Well, let's take it all the way back to the beginning, Robbie. This With the way the movie opens. The way the movie opens, it's really interesting. We get that sort of flashback in time. You know, we're in Ohio, I think. Uh, you know, we get this whole little scene about them being as a family. And then by the end of it, I think a little confusingly, I think I was confused by the end of that scene because I didn't really understand what had happened. And throughout the context of the rest of the movie, I figured out, oh, they weren't actually a family. Like, they're not... Yeah. I, at the end of that scene, I was very confused. Um,
0: I I picked up pretty quickly that they were Russian plants, but it took me a while to realize they were not actually a family. Right. Um, I think my assumption was that the you know that that Alexei and Melina went over there and they had children and they raised their children as Americans, but I think it wasn't super clear until later in the film what that actual structure was. Yep. I
2: think the only reason that I was on that of what was going on is that I happen to remember the one line in Endgame where she says she doesn't know her father's name. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, that's one line in a three-hour movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, but then... I, don't, I still kind of don't know how I feel about it, and so I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to see how y'all feel about it. But this movie has, I think, the most... The most unique MCU opening in that it is not actually unique. It's unique for the MCU, but not unique for films. So we get we get a really haunting cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, I think a very good cover Smells Like Teen Spirit. I say that as a, a big Nirvana fan, it's it's I'm not necessarily predisposed to enjoy covers of Nirvana music, but I really enjoyed this. Um, it's very haunting, it's very creepy, and it's played over images, kinda like Soundlord. Uh, alluded to earlier, of human trafficking of Yelena and Natasha being captured. And that's how they got brought into the Red Room and separated from one another. Um, And so we get kind of this montage. But this opening credit roll is about the credits. It is about seeing the people that worked on the film who are in the film with this music. And then the images are kind of explaining a little bit the story. But it's not like it's not like an uh, opening credit sequence usually would be in the MCU, where what you're doing is you're watching a fi- the film and a scene happening while there are credits around the screen. This was a more traditional opening credit role, almost kind of like you would have seen, like we saw at the Spider-Man movies. Um, it wasn't the cold open of the film, but it was more like the Spider-Man movies, more like what you would have seen in most films in you know the 90s when we were growing up but that's not how the MCU opens films. And so it ends up standing out to me because it's not normal to its franchise. But then The other reason it stands out to me is it set the tone for a movie that we did not watch after that, that sequence. It's haunting and jarring and scary and serious. And this film is not actually that. It deals with some uh, disgusting themes, but it's a fairly lighthearted film, a fairly... Um, entertaining, somewhat fluffy action film. Um, it's, not, it's not insipid, but it's not dark and serious. But its, it's credit sequence is pretty dark and serious. And I, I guess it, this isn't necessarily a complaint. Um, maybe, it should, maybe it's going to become a complaint over time, or maybe y'all come around to it over time. But right now it just stands out as like, I don't, this doesn't fit with the movie or the franchise. And I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm alone on that, but it was weird to me. It was it was good in a vacuum, but weird in its entire film.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I thought it was really mm-hmm. interesting, and it was really like, oh, this is a lot. And then the movie that we got afterwards was not a lot, for the most right, part. Yes. <laughs> there were some yeah. more mature themes at times. For the most part, it was, it was pretty tame compared to how dramatic the opening was.
2: Yeah, it never reached sort of that height of oh my god, again.
3: Alright, well, how do we think this fits in the MCU? Um, it's hard to evaluate this as part of the MCU because it kind of slots itself in the very middle of the MCU. Don't crucify me for this one, guys. Barring the end credit scene, this might be one, if not the only MCU movie that I suggest you maybe watch in timeline order uh, because I think it fits a little better after Civil War. I don't, Without the end credit scene, I think... It works a little better that way. Maybe that's part of why the movie isn't hitting correctly because it didn't come out when it probably needed to. But I think the movie works a little better if you're watching it like that.
0: Yeah, I will yeah, you
2: for that. Yeah, if it weren't for the end credits scene, I would I would say, yeah, watch it after Civil War. Mix it in there with Black Panther and Spider-Man. Um, because of all the many Marvel movies that have come out, this those are the three movies that directly deal with Civil War. Like, they feel like they kind of spin out of that it's just for me i have trouble recommending to people an order where you have to like stop during the credits and say okay now uh, after yeah. you watch 10 other movies i want you to go to youtube <laughs> and find this scene because i i'm almost mad about the post credit scene because it would work very well after Civil War, except for that. Everything else, like, it, it fits after Civil War before Infinity War. And you could be like, oh, I know that vest.
1: Yeah, everything they say about Budapest is before. So you don't have to, you're not missing anything plot wise. <laughs> you know all about the Budapest references.
2: Mm-hmm. Dracoff's yeah. daughter. <laughs> or Bruce Banner saying, oh, they start them that young. she's like, I did. hmm.
0: Well, let's... yeah. It... Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, no, 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 I, I was just going to agree. It, it's weird because it fits almost in that it does nothing. Okay, it gives us it gives us our, our future Black Widow, I think. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't change anything. It just kind of fits in there as a side story that doesn't have any larger ramifications and also, also doesn't require knowing that much either. Um, it really this, is a
2: standalone movie. It's about as standalone movie as we've gotten in a long I, time.
0: I hesitate to say I think you could maybe watch this and you probably wouldn't be as invested in the character but you could maybe watch this as the first your fir- the first Marvel movie you've ever watched and just understand it just fine. It's
1: this is the Rogue one of the MCU except it doesn't have a cool ending.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, the ending kind of Well, talk Why, I don't about mean that the end
1: I don't mean the ending of this film is bad. I mean, compared to the ending of Rogue One, it doesn't have that kind of a cool ending. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, who would like to tell the audience our MVP? Because I'll spoil it now. We all have the same one.
2: That's probably the person that we said earlier was the best character in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is this the first time we've ever had the same MVP? All of us? No. I don't think so. No? no. Okay.
2: I'm sure no. we have in the past. But yeah, like, it's there Yelena. are times that I
0: feel like we're going to, and then we don't. Yeah, it's Yelena, guys. It's Yelena. Mm-hmm.
3: Very this was easy. Very clearly. This yeah. is easy. She really does just steal the movie. What are we going to rate it? Chris, we'll start with you. What are you going to rate
2: Blackwell? I gave it I gave it eight episodes of the Americans out of 10. Nice. Uh, who's next? I closed the notes.
1: Yeah, I I was entertained by it, mostly because it was cool to see um, a Marvel movie in the theaters again. Um no real huge complaints with just one watch, so I gave it seven pockety vests out of ten. Eduardo?
3: I gave it seven and a half posers out of ten. What about you, Robbie?
0: My um, my thoughts are pretty much the same as Peaches. Entertaining, cool to see a Marvel movie in the theaters again. No big complaints, but also no big loves. So seven Nirvana covers out of ten. And
3: we're going to do something we haven't done in a long time. I guess we ranked the MCU... TV shows, Marvel shows, Disney Plus we're going to do a ranking. We're going to put this in a ranking with all of our other movies. I don't, before we go into that, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I want to revise half my rankings. Like, I feel like some of the things really? that I thought were in certain places, I want lower. I want certain things a little higher. Like, there's like I have Thor Ragnarok right now. I haven't changed. I only plugged in Black Widow. And I have Thor Ragnarok a lot lower than I think it should be for how often I watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the same thing. Um, I think I have a few movies that are a little higher like i got winter soldier pretty high and i don't actually feel that strongly about winter soldier
0: uh so
3: i will probably end up doing some shuffling by the next Mar- uh, movie that we, we review
0: you know i might agree with you on that i think looking over mine i might want to bump captain marvel down i might want to bump captain america up
1: bro you rated captain marvel a nine if i remember correctly interesting it was interesting <laughs> You're correct. Because <laughs> I remember saying there's no fucking way that you think that's a nine.
3: Well, Robbie, how about you just give us your rankings? <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. uh, So Black Widow is going to slot kind of near the bottom tier. Uh, It's uh between Spider-Man Homecoming and ahead of Ant-Man and the Wasp, which so in the bottom half of the rankings towards the bottom. Uh, Again, I think most MCU movies are at the very least enjoyable so that doesn't mean it's a bad movie uh just means it's kind of you know you know the other films on here ant-man the wasp um age of ultron incredible hulk film movies that you know they're fine they're fine what about you chris
2: i again sort of in like the bottom third of my rankings but which is not necessarily a bad thing because the movies that it is between i like very very much uh i have it between iron man and doctor strange um with a question mark because on again i've only seen this once and it was like three weeks ago two or three weeks ago so i uh, i i really just don't know where it's gonna take a few more watches uh for it to really slot into the place and like eduardo i'll probably i feel like sometimes i should shuffle these rankings around a little bit too uh peach what how about you
1: yeah i mean all of this is subject to change when we do our next more in depth with the plot and everything um it is not quite in my bottom five, but if there was a bottom six, it would be in my bottom six. There uh, is a bottom six. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I have I have it right after Thor and right before Ant Man and the Wasp. And again, it could change. I don't know. I, I I'm looking at this list and I don't think I feel the same as you guys about moving things around. I think I'm pretty solid with it. That's because
3: you uh, specifically put numbers,
1: I know that. But I'm I'm thinking even ignoring the numbers, I don't know what i would really change about because it because you have already seen the numbers
3: maybe, you're too, maybe Thor two and Strange. That's, this is where you and i differ you you've got your numbers there you know exactly what to do i do everything by feeling man i want to feel this list out and my feelings <laughs> change every day this could all be at the wind maybe tomorrow i'm like you know what thor the dark world wasn't that bad i probably won't say that but there's a chance
1: that's what I'm saying is I'm not right now. Yes. I can physically see the numbers, but I'm looking at the titles of the movies and I could also go back and say this, I rated this an eight and it should be an eight and a half. I rated this a seven and it should be a six. And I, I don't really see that much that I would move around with the knowledge I have in my head. We should do a rewatch of the rewatch. And Oh my
3: goodness. We re -re reassemble.
1: Yeah. We've got 23 more episodes for y'all right there. (laughs) If we just do it all again. One day. (laughs) Uh, Eduardo, what, what where'd you put it? Yeah, I've it?
3: got it in the upper lower echelon, so the top of the lower uh, mm-hmm. uh, movies. Um, I, I don't even know if I agree with its placement right now. I think I might actually bump it down a couple spots. I probably would have it just above Hulk right after uh, Guardians Volume 2, now that I'm looking wow, at it. Oh just ahead
2: of your favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: Bringing that joke back from two years ago.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I just, I find... These movies, I find Black Widow in the same camp as I find Winter Soldier now so many years removed from it. Part of it because people talk so highly about Winter Soldier, but if they were like me, I watched Winter Soldier once, was in love with it, and then never watched it again. And since I've gone back and rewatched it a few times, I like it a little less every time I watch it, mostly because a lot of it has to do with the reveals that you see and not necessarily the substance of what's happening in the movie. Um which is why I think, like for example, the the first Avenger, to me, is better, even though I don't have it on my rankings. Like I don't know what past Eduardo was thinking with some of his rankings. I'm all confused.
2: <laughs> uh, Go back and listen. You're going to be yelling at yourself. Go, what's your problem? What do you not like, change
3: hey, it. The,
1: the awesome. <laughs> don't change it too much. The TVA will show up in your I room know. and prune you. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this Impressions episode of uh assembler acquired at MCU retrospective be on the lookout for our next episode we'll see it's going to be a little bit of a surprise our our next episode but uh I think you guys are going to enjoy that one, and we're going to be gearing up to do What If, so be on the lookout for that as well. I want to let you guys know that this very show right here, Assembly Required An MCU Retrospective, is supported by listeners just like you over at Patreon.com slash Assembly Required. Huge shout-outs to our Ventures-level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email us any of your hot takes, you can go for it over at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, we are at assemblycast. You can follow all of us individually. D underscore features for peaches, GatorSax2010 for Chris, PhilKid3 for Robbie, and ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. That's going to do for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, for peaches. We love you 3000. Bye everybody.
2: Excelsior. Hail hey, Hydra. Bubbly Bubbly.
3: Impressions. Load up on gun it's fun to lose and to
1: pretend. She's overboard and self-assured. I know, I know, a dirt When, I, when are you guys getting your first tattoos?
2: Never. Uh, you, um, I think Never. They, they tattoo you in the morgue, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we not ever
1: getting tattoos, y'all? Yeah,
3: because where is our one? matching assembly required tattoos? I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Heck, yeah. We can get each get a little phrase. We love your 3,000. To... Boobily, <laughs>
2: I get Excelsior
3: right Right.
2: There now. you go. <laughs> try step.
3: Danny can get interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bailey can get... Um, what What does Bailey always say? Um, I don't know. Am I supposed to get a catchphrase? <laughs> yeah.
2: Are you going to do ASMR? <laughs> oh yeah, are you going to do ASMR? <laughs> That's what it is. Angela can get Kaninir. <laughs> 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 Behind her ear, I don't know. <laughs> Can-ner. <laughs> uh.